Welcome back to Tap Off the Mark. My name is uh, Aiden Sepsis. Today, I'll be previewing the fourth round of the Six Nations Tournament, as well as uh, get into some discussion about Super Rugby Pacific and the opening rounds of the tournament, uh, and then its role in the growth of you know the sport of rugby. So let's get into it. Um, to start off, the first game on the docket will be uh, Wales and France. It'll be uh, Friday night in Cardiff at the Principality Stadium. Um, and I just have a few questions about this game. You know, does France falter with, you know, one hand essentially on the trophy already? Um, Wales is bottom of the table right now. Uh, France is, you know, riding high. They really have the look of an untouchable team. Um, and so, like, do they just kind of look past uh, this Welsh side um, and look next week up towards uh, England? And I don't think so. I think they're a well-coached, well-managed team, and they won't, you know, look past, you know, an international opponent. Um, but that's, that's oh, I think it's always a worry with, you know, a team that's just, like, so working so well and on, you know, all the, the gears are turning. Um, so that's just one thing France, I think, just have to look out for. Um, I don't think it'll be an issue, but, you know, we have to wait and see. Um, you know, being said, like, it's clear France is the favorite. So w- what exactly is the recipe for a Welsh upset? Um, I think it really comes down to they need to shorten the game. You know, they need to rely to shorten the game. I mean, you want scrums, you want lineouts, you want set pieces. If there's a penalty, take the points, you know, take time off the clock. Because um, the more time on the clock, more chance France has to make uh, make space, exploit gaps and just you know run through Fra- uh, Wales like they've run through their previous three opponents um so I think shorten the game's important uh, I think they need to rely on pressure to force French mistakes you know the defensive structure for me is priority one two and three for Wales focus on the defense make sure you're have a flat line you're not shooting the gap um just be very be very suffocating on defense around the base of the ruck uh, which is something that Wales has the ability to do. Um, and, you know, don't take chances on offense, is what I would say. Get your points off of French mistakes. And, like, they, they seem unbeatable right now, but, you know, they're human. They they, they will make mistakes. So I, I think for Wales to win, it really has to be about, you know, not trying to make a track meet and outscore them. You know, I think they have to outsmart them uh, to, to win this one. And it's, you know... The third question I have coming into this one is that France has a clear skill advantage. You know, they have they have their their players match up better than Wales. Uh, but what does Wales have? You know, I think they, it comes down to two things: the atmosphere at the Principality Stadium, which worked versus Scotland. You know, Scotland came in with all the expectation. Wales came in off a dud to Ireland, and you know, Cardiff was loud, and you know they fed off that energy, and they they came out with the win. Can lightning strike twice? Um, and then Wales come into this game with no expectation whatsoever. Um, you know, they, they, they beat Scotland, but they've lost now to uh, uh, Scotland, sorry. Um, no, it is Scotland. Yeah, they beat Scotland. They've lost now to Ireland and England. You know, it's pretty clear they're not a top-form team right now. Uh, but, you know, a man with nothing to lose is a dangerous man. And Wales have nothing to lose um, in this game, so you know we'll see what happens. And I, I think I think it'll be France in the end, uh, but the the pieces are there for Wales to, to pull off something spectacular.
Um, the next one, it'll be the, the first game on Saturday. It'll be um, Scotland visiting Italy and Rome. And I actually, I, I have expect, expectations for this one. I, I think this could be the perfect storm for Italy. You know, you see Scotland, who's pretty demoralized, two straight losses, um, haven't won in, you know, a while now. Um, and then Italy is angry from last week or last round's affair against Ireland. You know, you saw with the unique law that Italy were playing most of the game with 13 men. You know, they were down two, uh, they had a two, Ireland had a two-man advantage. Um, and if I'm Italy, these past two weeks, I'm I'm mad. I'm pissed off, and I'm working towards, you know, letting that steam off against, you know, a battered Scotland side. Um, and then they, they're home, you know. Whatever you say, international, you know, regional, provincial, home field advantage matters. Um, and I think everything is falling right for Italy to, you know, finally get that win. It's, it's been almost seven years now. Uh, they got to win at some point, and I think it could be it could be this week. So, you know, for Scotland, how do they prevent that? Uh, and I think they need to make a concerted effort to put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Um you know, guys like Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, when they have the ball in their hand, they are lethal. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Scotland, the, the game plans haven't really been working the past two weeks because they're trying to match what the other team is doing. You know, they're trying to go punch for punch. Uh, and that's just not, they don't have the ability to do that. That's not their skill. Their skill lies within their unique uh, back play and, you know, the creativity of Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg. So I think they really need to rely on those two uh, to do that. And I think they can exploit a pretty altogether weak Italian back line. They have a few good pieces, specifically, you know, Paolo Garbisi. I think he's a star in the making, um, but he's one man and he can't do everything. So I think if Scotland's going to win this one, um, they need to focus on putting the ball in, in those two guys' hands. Uh, for a prediction... It feels wrong, to, you know. It feels wrong to, you know, support not support um to pick Italy. It just doesn't feel right. But something about this one just just stands out to me. And I think, I think Italy could be getting that monkey off their back finally. I think they could pull out the win. I want to take Italy in a, in a close, low-scoring uh, contest. The, the final game of the weekend is is the one that you know everyone's been waiting for. Um, England and Ireland. Uh, in London at Twickenham. This is, you know, the winner becomes the challenger to France. Um, what we've seen is it looks like Ireland is the number two team barely losing uh, to France without Jonathan Sexton uh, at fly half. Um, but then England's rattled off two pretty convincing wins. You know, granted, one of them was Italy. Um, but, you know, you know, it's not their fault that Italy is not the best. It's not their fault that, you know, they beat them. Uh, you know, Ireland also beat Italy um, with a 13-man side. So that's not even, you can't even compare those two. Um, but I don't know. I just, my question when it comes to, I, th I think Ireland's proven. I think it's proven through their autumn internationals and through this, this competition that, you know, we know what they are and they are good. They are, you know, they have a great combination of, of uh, youth and experience. They have, you know, the size, the speed, the skill. Ireland is as steady as they get. England's a bit a little bit different because, you know, the question is, are their wins a product of their talent and their growing, you know, 
cohesiveness or are they products of inferior opposition? You know, as much as I, I'm liking the direction Italy is going, they're still not a great side. Um, and then, you know, Wales, they beat Scotland, yes. Uh, no one's taking that away from them. But they got handled pretty easily uh, by Ireland in the first round. And they, they looked, outside of 20 minutes uh, the last round, they didn't look good against England. So my, my question really is, does England, did England just kind of, you know, not get lucky, but was it just like, hey, we just have the better players um, against, and you guys don't? Because right now I think Ireland has the better players. So can they win a game where, you know, they're the underdog, where they don't have that skill advantage? Um, and that'll tell us a lot about them. I, you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, and, you know, it's so easy to, you know, compare players, compare positions. Um, I think they're pretty even in the backs. I think they're pretty even in the forwards. But specifically between the packs, um, that, that is the forwards, uh, it's going to be a heavyweight tilt. There's so much star power um, between those those 16 men. You know, I think Ireland has a distinct advantage in the front row. Uh, I personally believe it's the best front row in the world. Um, you know, Tide Furlong, Andrew Porter, Ronan Kelleher, it's a well-oiled machine right there. Um, they don't do a lot wrong. Um, and then England, you know, their locks. Maori Toje is, you know, he's been a stud for years now. And then you have Courtney Laws, who, you know, year in, year out, he produces and he shows up and he performs. Um, and, you know, the back row, you, you can go name for name. It, it's really it's really something. And I'm, I'm curious to see who kind of blinks first in this one. Um, I think the recipe for success for England has is going to be what it's been the past three rounds. Put it in Marcus, Marcus Smith's hands and, you know, step back and let him work. Um, but the issue is he's so adept at, creating space and you know when he has space he makes stuff happen ireland does not give space on uh on defense you gotta fight for every inch um and so is is he stymied is he is his skill negated um it's it's, it's, it's gonna be a fascinating matchup um you know predictions it's it's again it's, it's hard to really predict how it's gonna go um i think england's home field advantage will matter I think it mattered a lot against um, against Wales, but mm, I have to go Ireland. You know, I think if they were at full health, they would have beaten France, and you know they're back to full health. And England is certainly not on the caliber of France right now. So I'm gonna take Ireland. You know, probably by ten, probably by ten. Um, I think they just have, I think they're just a better team. You know, I think England has an incredibly talented players, uh, but I think Ireland is the better team at this point in time. Um, so that's it for the the Six Nations kind of previews. Um, next, we're gonna I'm gonna talk about you know Super Rugby Pacific. Um, it's kind of it's starting to kick in a year here. We're just finished up uh, the third round, um, and some it's taking shape. You know, we're kind of seeing who's got it this year, who doesn't. Um, you know, the Rebels do not have it this year. I don't think anyone expected them to, but they certainly don't. And then the Crusaders, as always, they're, you know, in top form, top of the table. Um, something I've noticed is the Australian sides are putting forth a really good showing so far. You know, I think the 
the worry with this competition was it would be a lot like um, Super Rugby Aotearoa when it was just Australian and New Zealand, in which um, it was New Zealand was all, you know, clearly they were the six or the five best teams. Australia was the five worst teams. And it was kind of just like inner, uh, inner country uh, competition, like who's the best Australian side, who's the best uh, Kiwi side. And that's not the case right now. You know, Australia has numbers two, two and three in the standings. New Zealand has one and four. You know, that's that's parity. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of rugby left to be played. Uh, so it could change, but I have, I have a, I have a sense that, you know, Australian is, Australia is going to hold their own. Um, and they're, you know, they're certainly growing. Uh, they're, they're building back. There's, they're rebuilding from, you know, they're really poor showing the past few years internationally. Um, and it's, you see that in this, you know, in the, in their teams, cause you pick the international sides, at least for, uh, Australia and New Zealand, you pick from these teams. Uh, and you're seeing the level of talent um, build and increase in Australia, um, and it's the same as always in New Zealand. You know, it's just it's top of the top form. Um, you know, something I, I feel is that, you know, shifting gears here, the expansion or the introduction of the Fijian sides, um, you know, Fijian Drua and Moana Pacifica. I think it's really good uh, for the sport. You know, an issue that I have with rugby and a lot of people have with the rugby is that it's it's very closed off, you know, you, you know, it's, it's a few countries that um, are good at it and the rest, you know, there's not much competition. There's not much, uh, you know, volatility and you kind of want volatility at the top because, you know, you don't want to see the same team win over and over, you know, ask, ask uh, people in the NFL, they don't want to see the Patriots win all the time. Uh, you know, thank goodness the Yankees are done winning, but you know, you, you want to see different teams fight for the top. Um, in international rugby and super rugby, it's really been the same three teams. Um, it's been New Zealand, it's been the Crusaders, it's been South Africa, it's, you know, it's been the Hurricanes. And you're seeing a change. Um, and I think it starts with, you know, these introduction of the Fijian sites. You get more countries, you know, invested in the game. You get more viewership and you get more viewership, you get more money, you get more money. You put it back into the sport, and then you know the level of talent and you know opposition competition rises. Um, you know, in World Rugby, there have been nine World Cups. Uh, the first one was in um, 1987. You know, of those nine World Cups, four countries have won it. You know, you take away England winning once, then three countries have won eight times. You know, no one wants to see the same movie over and over again. And uh, so I think it's it's important. Um, for, you know, an expansion, you know, I, there's an opening here for, you know, some major countries like the United States to get involved. You know, England is a, you know, I won't say a first world country, like England is a country that, you know, invented rugby and their, their population loves it. You know, it's not as big as soccer, nothing's going to be as big as soccer, but they have consistently packed stadiums for rugby. And then, you know, there's certainly, you know, opportunity here for, you know, a United States um, or even like a Germany, you know, these Eastern, not Eastern European, um, you know, like the Germany, these countries in Europe, you know, there's an opening here. And I think it's important to, you know, for rugby as a sport, you know, the world rugby governing body, you know, they recognize that and, you know, they invest in it. 
you know, I, I know specifically there have been talks of uh, Hawaii, you know, a Hawaiian team uh, being put in this in the Super Rugby. You know, I know I'm almost convinced that if that were to, that were the case, you know, you'd see viewership in the U.S. for Super Rugby specifically, but rugby in general, you know, shoot up. You know, they, they want someone to latch on to. They want to, you know, have representation. Um, you know, sports fans do. And rugby is the type of sport that once you watch it, you're hooked. I haven't met a single person who's watched it and not fallen in love with the game. And it's just about, you know, like introducing people to it. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's starting a lot better. I think you're seeing awareness of the game go up. You know, you see um, MLR, Major League Rugby in the U.S., it's getting coverage, um, and it's growing. Uh, and I think I think it's really just about you know taking the next step to you know introduce the game to other markets. And the U.S. one is it's starting to be tapped, but once it's fully tapped, it's, it's going to be you know goldmine in terms of you know viewership, support, um, and uh, and all those types of things. So you know I, I'm excited. I think this is just a start with these two Fijian teams, and I am excited to see. Uh, how far I can grow and go. Um, all right, so that will uh, wrap up this episode of Tap Off the Mark. Thank you for tuning in.